This is the Hidden Wire Podcast, episode 960, my interview with Carol Bendenhender. We're discussing change and resilience. Goodbye, all good. Hi, Carol. Welcome to the Hidden Wire Podcast. Great to have you here. Thanks so much, Lee. I'm thrilled to be here. Yeah, no, it's a pleasure. You've just released your first book. Congratulations. Thank you so much. As a fellow author, I bet you know how great that feels. It, it does, and I, I feel guilty that I'm not doing enough with the, the newer book that I've just written, but um, you certainly are. You're jumping on podcasts and doing interviews, um, and, and it looks like the, or it sounds like the book um, has been real, well received so far. Is that the case? It is, and I think I've been so passionate about sharing the word because I think that the book can do good in the world. You know, I've been hearing a lot of wonderful accolades, um, not just from the awards, which is certainly amazing to get, but also from readers, which is incredibly meaningful when readers reach out to say how a book has touched them. I had one woman who said, um, you know, she'd been through a decade of medical problems. And after she read about Phoenix Walker, the main character in Goodbye Orchid, who suffers an accident and how he really was resilient in overcoming and getting back to good, um, that it made her more optimistic about her own outcomes. Hmm. And for me, that makes it so worth it when I can touch a reader in that way. Yeah, you just touch one reader like that and you've, you've done a fantastic you know, job. Um, it, it, it's, it's quite powerful, you know, having that sort of impact, um, outside your own, you know, um, work, your day-to-day life, um, which is, I guess, why you've probably written the book. What, what sort of promoted you to, to write the book? Yeah. So I was initially prompted to write the book at a, at a time where, um, I was seeking solace for myself. Honestly, when I first started writing, I didn't realize I was going to be going towards publication. I was writing for myself at a time that was um, a hard time in our lives with one of our twins. We have uh, my husband and I have twins who are now seventeen. Hmm. And you know, at that time, I was seeing stories in the news. There were so many stories in the news of soldiers who had been deployed overseas and were coming back injured, you know, so it was really combat wounded veterans that initially inspired the story behind Goodbye Orchid. And what inspired me was, you know, that these were men and women who were at the top of their game when they went to fight for our freedom and that um, when they came back wounded, they were, they had a a big mountain to climb. Um, Mm. And what inspired me was the strength and resilience that they really demonstrated to get back to good, to put their lives back together, to, you know, um, really find their peace and their happiness. And just, you know, all of that was so inspiring to me. And so even though my characters are not military people in Goodbye Orchid, the arc of Phoenix's journey in which he suffers an accident and then questions his own self-worth and his relationship with Orchid Page um, is actually echoes, you know, that experience that a combat wounded veteran might have. Hmm. Orchid Page is another character? Orchid Page, yes. Hmm? Half Asian Orchid Page and Phoenix Walker are the two main characters. Goodbye um, Orchid, okay. That yes, explains the title. And that's why. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. After his accident, he actually, um, you know, because he questions his self-worth, because he feels protective of her, even though he wakes in the hospital longing for her and thinking about her, he also remembers that she has had trauma in her past and um, he asks himself what he believes to be the hardest question he's ever faced in his life, whether to love her truly, he might need to leave her. And that mm. is the central tension in Goodbye Orchid. Mm. Interesting. Interesting where these ideas come from, huh? I know. It's, creativity is, um, you know, a mysterious force. 
How did you find the process of writing the story from an idea? I mean, it's it's so interesting, and you as an author maybe can relate to this. You know, it went through different phases. There was a phase of just writing for myself and just pouring my heart out. It was a very, it was a project of passion for sure. Um, there was a a very prolonged period where um, this, the project really had me in its grips, where I could do nothing but write it. I was compelled to write it. I felt like the characters were as real as the real people in my life, and so. Um, um, that was a really intense period that, you know, oftentimes people might call flow. Um, and so I loved that. But then there were also other phases after that, phases of stepping back and seeing what does the big picture look like and therefore shaping the story mm. more intentionally and, you know, really going through an intense editing period with, um, you know, after my own editing period, then external people that I trusted to get their input, editors, yeah. my agent, you know, and ultimately publishers um, have a say as well. And then, um, you know, from there, it really, the last phase is, you know, figuring out how to bring it to the world, how to mm. you know, what you might summarize as marketing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think of as really finding the audience for whom the message will resonate and is meaningful and can make a difference in lives. Yeah, absolutely. That's probably the hardest part of the journey of writing, I think. Um, certainly, I felt writing uh, enjoyable. I felt it um, hard at times, but mostly I, I just wrote. So I didn't put too much like fiction, I imagine, is is quite harder to do um, than nonfiction. Maybe I'm wrong, but um Certainly from my nonfiction writing anyway, it would seem a, a harder task for me as a person. How, how long did you find that process from start when you put pen to paper to, to actually having a book? So this has been a long journey. Um, it actually started seven years ago. And I'd say in essence, it was about a year of really intensive writing, hmm. a year of really intensive editing. And then after that, it was really finding the right home for publishing. Um, yeah. And you're right. A lot of authors tell me that they find the marketing to be the hardest part because my the longest stretch of my career, I've had three careers, the longest stretch of my career has been as a marketer. And therefore, I'm a speaker as well. And I speak at writers' conferences about marketing. In fact, just this week, I had a three-hour seminar with um, a number of authors in which they were feeling fairly overwhelmed about how to bring their book to market. Yeah. And I was so happy that after the end of the three hours, I actually asked them to rate themselves on a scale of one to five, how they felt about book marketing before we started the class. And then again, at the end, 100% of the participants increased their score by the end of the class and felt better about, you know, how to approach their marketing and to also maybe not feel so, um, one of the things I talk about is marketing mindset, not to think about it just as, you know, blatant self-promotion, especially if there's a message you're trying to get in the world and something you're trying to do with the work, that it's really about the spotlight being on the audience and the way in which the work can serve the audience. Mm, yeah, I like it. It's, um, so you've got a marketing background then? I do. I spent 15 years um, running brands in uh, consumer packaged goods, which okay. was really fun. And now I, I currently work as a strategist. Okay, like brand strategist or business strategist? More as a business strategist, yes. Yeah. I work okay. in, in digital transformation and sustainability and other areas. Multiple different careers then? Or are they sort of all aligned? Yeah, you know, so 
it's so interesting to me if I, um, when I think back over my careers, you know, that I, I started as a digital technologist with my engineering undergraduate degree, then got my MBA, worked in marketing, and now I work in strategy and insights. And although they seem rather disparate, I think there are some themes that pull through there hmm. that, you know, um, there's, you know, the ability to see strategically actually played a role in all of them. <clears throat> the ability to be entrepreneurial at times and innovative at times, you know, played through all of them. Um, and then for me, I think, of, you know, when I look back at the times that were I was most inspired and motivated, I'm very much motivated by things that are purpose-driven and principles, you know, being at the heart, which is one of the reasons I've stayed at my current company for so long is because the principles really are at the heart of decision-making there. Yeah. That's, um, have you found the challenge of changing um, difficult at times? You know what's interesting about the change? I think it's more the, you know, unknown, the ambiguity Hmm. rather than the change itself. You know, changing from digital technologies to marketing on the surface seems, you know, really different. Digital technologies, you know, everything's, things are black and white. Either the systems work or they don't. And then marketing, it's about as gray as you can get. You know, it's hard to even measure totally the impact of what you're doing. And so it's, and it's really, you know, right brain versus left brain. It's changing a lot. Hmm. And I remember being faced with that decision. Do I stay in digital technologies and continue that career, which I enjoyed, or do I throw all that away and try something new. And actually, one of the questions I find really helpful in big decisions in my life is asking myself, would I regret if I didn't try it? Yeah. And that was very clear. That gave me the direction I needed to say, if I don't, I could try it and maybe I would fail. And that's okay because, you know, you can then you can pivot and try something else. Hmm. But if I didn't try it, I certainly would regret what did I miss out on? And I am so and happy. Yeah, yeah. You can't go. You can't go back on regret, can you? You can sort of go back on change, I guess, to to a point. But regret, you've got to live with. Yeah, regret. That's really regret's interesting. A big one. Yeah. Because change is, is is phenomenal. Yeah. It's, it's happening all the time, and, and we all experience change. And I guess we find that comfort, that security, and that's just built into our mechanisms isn't it it's about survival and that comfort and security gives us that sense of survival whereas when we have change or when we face change like you said it's that uncertainty we don't know what's what's going to happen mm-hmm. um but it's about flipping the perspective on it like you said and, and asking yourself some of those questions like if i don't make the change will i have regret um i think the other thing that i like to think of is well if i make the change what is the worst thing that could happen through mm-hmm. that change? You know, if it doesn't go yeah. the way I think it would like to, or the way I would like it to go, I guess. Mm-hmm. And when you ask yourself that question, the answer is not as scary as it might seem initially. No, because well, you've got to get over the uncertainties and go, okay, well, what is it actually that I'm that's so uncertain about this? And so, asking mm-hmm. those sort of questions will hopefully show you that it's actually not that uncertain. It's pretty familiar. Um, it's just different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. These are the types of questions I asked myself um, before I accepted an assignment in China. You know, we had twins that were seven years old and my husband had a job here and we had to ask ourselves, do we want to embrace that level of change? And actually, we came to the conclusion that we absolutely did. 
Awesome. And it was an opportunity. Yeah. yeah. And that regret question helped a lot in that decision as well. I like the regret. I, I sort of forget about regret because I haven't thought about it for, for a while now. But when I started the podcast, I remember that was a, a very big motivation for me is I didn't want to live life with regret. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wanted to do these things like starting a podcast that seemed ridiculous for someone like me to do it. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm so glad it's been it's been transformational in my life to have done it. Yeah. Um, right. And there wasn't really anything scary or weird about it. It was just, you know, doing it and learning yeah. it and, and going with the flow, taking the courage yeah. to take a step. Um, right. Whereabouts in China? You're, 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 yeah, I'm in real estate. I'm in, in Sconston in that. I've got some decisions yeah. at the moment that I'm facing, you know, and, and they're big decisions. So um, it's always that change is always happening. So, yeah, I guess touching on the topic of change is, is really powerful for listeners out there. Certainly for me right now, you've just helped, helped with that as well. Um, whereabouts in China are you from? So I was born in the U.S., but my family is Uh from Shanghai. And when I was on um, assignment, I was there in Beijing. And actually, yeah, I weave a bit of that into Goodbye Orchid um, because Orchid is half Asian, you know. And so she has this experience where she goes to China on business. And it causes her to question her own identity, just the way it caused me to question my identity. I always thought I was, you know... Well, I, I always thought I was, you know, I'm ancestrally Chinese. Hmm. Um, my genetics is 100% Chinese. And so when I went to China, I actually thought that um, I gave myself a very high bar for needing to learn Mandarin. I didn't speak Mandarin before I went. So I bought, you know, language packages. I bought Rosetta Stone. I studied like crazy because I thought I needed to be able to speak Mandarin when I was there because I thought people would assume I was Chinese and would assume that I could speak Mandarin. Mm -hmm. And so I give Orchid this experience as well in the book. And she discovers, you know, she tries to speak Mandarin. She discovers she might not have needed to work so hard at it because her coworkers tell her, just like my coworkers told me, that they knew from blocks away that I wasn't Chinese. (laughs) <laughs> and the idea just blew my mind. I'm, I said, well, of course I'm Chinese. I'm 100% Chinese. They said, oh, no, no, we would never mistake you for a Chinese national because, you know, look at the way you dress. Look at the way you cut your hair. Look at the way you carry yourself, your wow. mannerisms. That's crazy. And that is a dead giveaway. We yeah. would never think you were Chinese You wouldn't national. think of it, would you? No. Yeah. Wow, really that's really so cool. Really insight. Yeah, yeah, it is. How long did you stay there for with your family? So it was a two-year assignment. Two-year. It was a two-year yep. assignment, yeah. And learned so much, turned around a business, absolutely what loved it. Yeah. yeah. We had that. Talk we actually pain. went to um, Japan with my two girls, one-year-old and three-year-old, and wow. we did two years there, and it was, it was just a phenomenal experience, one that, you know, we it was one of those decisions, should we do it? And then we said, what have we got to lose? You know, we've just got everything to gain, and, and you know, we did gain. We had a great time. Right. What an experience yeah. for the kids. And, you know, the kids are now studying, like one of the oldest ones speaks Japanese. So uh, um, just giving her something from that experience, you know, where we could have just stayed where we were and, um, and yeah, I guess still been exactly at that same spot. So I don't always encourage change. Sometimes I think I change too much. Do you have that sort of – I mean, maybe you're not like <laughs> me at all, but sometimes I feel that – I'm constantly changing and always wanting to do the next novel thing. Um, and it frustrates a lot of people, especially my wife, I think. But Well, when I introduce myself, sometimes I have that feeling like, 
um, my, my list keeps going on. You know, I, I usually say I have three areas. I talk about my home area, my twins. I talk about my work area, my three careers. And then I talk about ha- the ways in which I give back, you know, including the writing, the speaking. I'm also a climate reality leader. I just finished yeah, yeah. economics and mutuality training, wow. you know, and so um, I do feel that sometimes the list is rather long, but they're all areas I'm so passionate about. Hmm. Busy person. The, uh, and there you go, there's the passion word thrown in there too. So it's obviously you're following things that you actually love. Mm-hmm. How do you create time for it all with two, I guess your kids are teenagers, they're probably more independent now. But Yeah, I mean, there's a few things I do. One, I've, I've been explicit with myself to think about what is important to me. Um, I've actually created my own personal brand to, uh, to really articulate it for myself. You know, what is my inspiring purpose or, you know, why do I do what I do? This is mm. the whole purpose of your podcast, you know, this idea of your purpose in life. And once I articulated that, it gave me clarity on what to spend time on versus what not to spend time on. And so now I feel perfectly free to say no to things that don't match up with that vision mm. of what I want to do. And so that clears up time. Also, a couple of other very practical things. One, um, my husband is amazing. He does so much around the house for the kids and for the household um, to give me the freedom to do these things that I really love. And then I'll make very pragmatic decisions like I don't actually watch much TV, for instance, um, because I find that you know, I could get sucked into that and it robs me of time that I'd rather write or speak or, you know, do these other things. Yeah, right. What is your, um, what is this underlying motivation or or purpose for you that you make your decisions on? Because I think that's a really good tool. Like if you can figure out, um, and I've got, I've got methods around this as well, but if you can figure out what that sort of purpose is daily, you can say yes or no to things based on that. Does it align with that? If it doesn't, then don't do it. Exactly. So the way I've articulated it for myself is I've said, um, I being my authentic self, I'd like to inspire hope and empathy for people and planet. Hmm. And, you know, I'd say a lot of my time and my work and my efforts align well with that. Um, Hmm. And it, yeah, it gives me a great sense of peace and purpose. Yeah. I like it. That's pretty powerful to have something. I like it. That's a statement that you remind yourself of by the sounds of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. yep. Do you do that daily? Like, is it a practice where you journal it or write it down or speak it out in the mirror? I don't. I find it pops into my mind when I am faced with the decision. Somebody yep. asked me recently if I could coach them in book marketing. And although I like helping people and I would you know, like to be able to do that. I also had to be realistic that this wasn't something I had time for and that it didn't 100% align with that purpose I had stated for myself. Hmm. Whereas, you know, Goodbye Orchid, it does 100% align with that. It is absolutely, you know, designed to inspire hope and empathy for people, although not planet um, in that particular case. And with all the, you know, when I hear back from readers and when I hear back from combat wounded veterans, I know that it's actually doing it. It, 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 And that part in particular is so incredible to me when combat wounded and combat decorated veterans say to me 
that Goodbye Orchid has touched them in a way that has brought them back to their own experience, you know, 15 years ago. Or I have even had combat wounded veterans tell me it's given them additional insight into their own experience, which is something even farther beyond what I could have imagined that mm. Goodbye Orchid could accomplish and just, you know, so touched me when, when they tell me these things. That's cool, eh? That's nice. Yeah. The um, this resilience. I mean, talking about resilience, and you say you know these war veterans, veterans coming back and showing this high level of resilience to just keep pushing forward and and make things better. Uh, equally, I think there'd be a, a larger number of people that don't have that. You know, don't have that resilience. Uh, would you agree with that? I mean, I don't know. And you speak to so many more people than I do, so you probably have a better sense. Well, it's a different. It's it's. Podcast. I speak to the people that perhaps have more resilience than the people <laughs> that don't for a particular reason, I suppose. But, you know, you mentioned that lady looking at your story and that gave her hope and gave her courage to, to be more resilient mm-hmm. and push forward. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. there's people like that out there that obviously don't have that but need that support, need mm-hmm. that, that book like yours to to help invoke that resilience. Mm-hmm. And perhaps, I don't know if it's, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I can't put numbers on the population. Maybe it's more about the state that you're in. So it's not about people either are resilient or aren't, but maybe in that moment in their lives, you know, maybe there are times in your life when you are more resilient, when you have more supports or whatever, and times where maybe you're less resilient, a little worn down by whatever might be happening yeah, around sure. you. For sure. Yeah. But if you've got that underlying motivation or why or purpose, mm. you know, yeah, and, and, actually, then, and then that, and yeah. that environment around you of love, um, mm-hmm. it's hard not to be resilient, mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. find. Yeah, absolutely. I think the clarity of your personal why can create a huge well of motivation and resilience and inspiration. Yeah. What do you believe is the motivation behind everything you do? You know, I mean, I think it's interesting. I think in some ways I've always been a striving type of person. I even remember as a kid, if I saw, you know, a gap in whatever, a a game my friends and I wanted to play, but we didn't have it. I would do something about it. I was very action oriented. I would, you know, make up that game. I would, you know, um, and so I think there's a bit of some of it is inherent in me. I've also had, you know, um, difficulties early in my life. My dad died when I was 12. And so that also gives, you know, I think creates resilience, you know, having to rise to that and having to be strong and, you know, Mm. um, probably crafted um, some of that as well. And then I also see that success begets success. So as I strive and I try to do things and I see that I'm able to, that increases my own self-confidence and it causes me to strive for bigger things and not be afraid to dream big. Mm. Yeah, accomplishment creates confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, just the idea of taking action, like any action, will just do mm-hmm. that. It'll create momentum. And as I said on the last chat with the, uh, the guest that I had on, I think you know, momentum's hard to stop once you, once you get started. So the, the best thing you can do is, is just start. 
and it yeah. doesn't matter what you're doing. Um, Absolutely. I said that to the to the group that I was with um, with the three-hour marketing seminar this week. I said, figure out what action you want to take from this and to hold you accountable. You either need to tell somebody else on this call or me and then come back in two weeks and in four weeks to report on how much progress had you made against the actions that you wanted to take. These are actions you design. Nobody's yeah. telling you to do them. You come up with the actions, but then have somebody else help hold you accountable to them until yeah. it becomes a habit. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. That's pretty true too. If you come up with them yourself, you're, you're going to take more responsibility for doing them mm-hmm. and probably create your own self-level of accountability too, rather than relying on someone else. But having someone else, I guess, if you're not that way inclined is, is definitely beneficial. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any, any particular routines or rituals in your day that helps you with life? You know, um, maybe there's two that are helpful to share. One, yeah. I, I actually like to think about both the big picture and the details. Uh, sometimes we call this helicopter ability or helicopter vision. This big picture personal why that we just talked about definitely gives me my true north to know if I'm you know, heading in the right direction. But then the individual things, because I am juggling a lot, full-time job, you know, family and twins, and then the writing and speaking and um, launching this book, to just keep on top of things, um, I use my calendar a lot. I just, you know, make sure everything that I commit to, I have in there, and that I'm checking ahead to make sure that I'm prepping for the things that I've committed to. Um, You know, so that's one very practical thing. The other maybe more, you know, softer thing that um, I use as a ritual that helps me is if I'm faced with a decision, I try not to only think about the decision with my head, but also with my gut. Hmm. And I actually mean that quite physically. Like I will check how I feel in my stomach or like in my body. Hmm. And I think that I kind of, you know, think about that as my intuition. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds a bit woo-woo, but if it doesn't feel right, it, it, it probably isn't, you know? Yeah. And you're right, it's a good point. I don't do that enough, but um, or maybe I do, and I just don't know it. Um, look, Carol, thank you for coming on the show. I think you've got, um, yeah, some wonderful work and probably another one on the way, I imagine, now that you've got this one out of the way. There'll be something else coming. Um, is there a way people can reach out to you? Absolutely. So my website, carolvandenhenda.com, has information about my writing, about my speaking. Um, There are also a very short URL is linktree, L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash C-V-D-H. So linktree slash C-V-D-H has a link to um, all the places to find me on social media, to find my website, to find my book, Goodbye Orchid, and would definitely appreciate connecting with your listeners. So that's linktree slash C-V-D-H. Correct. And it's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E. So linktree has a little period in the middle. L-I-N-K dot T-R-W-E. Uh, it's funny enough, they put the dot between the T-R and the E-E. <laughs> so it's actually L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash C-V-D-H. Um, and when you, yeah, when What's you your website? Out, you'll see carolvandenhenda.com. So it's C-A-R-O-L-V as in Victor, A-N 
D E N H E N D E dot com. My long Dutch last name all run together. And um, if you go out there, you'll see, you know, there's a media kit there as well, where you'll see all of the eight awards that uh, Goodbye Orchid has won and a lot of the um, accolades from readers and authors and combat wounded veterans who have read the book and loved it. Love it. Awesome. Thanks so much for coming on, Carol. It's been an awesome conversation and I hope the uh, audience out there has enjoyed it too. I loved speaking with you, Lee. Take care. Thanks. Until next time, peace, passion and purpose. See you soon. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed what you heard. I hope you love what you're hearing. If you like this episode, guys, or any of the episodes that you're listening to here at The Hidden Why, please do me a favor by sharing it. You can share it with your families. You can share it with your loved ones. You can do that by using your favorite social media channels, using the icons on the platform that you're listening to The Hidden Why podcast. Also, guys, if you're a fan of the show, please connect with me. Connect with me at thehiddenwide.com. I love to hear from you. I love to converse with the people that listen to this show to find out what they enjoy, what they don't enjoy, and perhaps if they have any questions or feedback for the show as well. You can stay up to date with all that I'm releasing here, guys. I do a solo show every Monday, a three-minute thought every Thursday. I do two interviews a week on a Wednesday and a Saturday, and a book review every Friday. You can stay up to date with all that by subscribing to my newsletter at thehiddenwire.com. Just enter your email address there, and also subscribing to the podcast on the platform that you choose to listen to your podcasts. You can also support the show, guys, by using the Amazon links at thehiddenwire.com. So if you like books, you can get all the books that I review there um, and anything else, really, that you like to purchase through Amazon. So use that link. It helps support the show. And we've also got a deal with Audible, guys. Audible is a fantastic way to listen to all your favorite books. We've got a deal with them so you can get two free books when you subscribe or, yeah, subscribe to a 30-day free trial. So check that out, again, at thehiddenwire.com. Guys, that's it from me. You know what to do. Go out there. Breathe more passion into every single moment. Do everything with greater purpose and in doing so you will discover your hidden why this is the hidden why my name is Lee Manutzi until next time peace passion and purpose see you soon